Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by... Kerry Clack, columnist, editorial board. Uh, Metro editor, Greg Jefferson. Nancy Prayer-Johnson, deputy editor of the editorial board. A lot of political news in the past week, and uh, much of it revolves around uh, the Castro family in San Antonio. And I wanted to start with, a Kerry, uh, with a story that you broke last week, um, which was, I think, a huge surprise to so many people, which was that Joaquin Castro on Monday um, underwent uh, cancer surgery. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, you know what he what he was he's, what he's dealing with on uh, on the health front and um, and how he found out about it. Uh, yeah, and I, and I hesitate to use the word broke because I didn't. It implies I actually was digging in and doing something. I wasn't. I mean, uh, Joaquin had called me January twenty first. And to tell me that he had it, and he was just wanting to make sure that that however it got out, that it was done in a way that no one else, you know, that they kept it as close to the vest as he as he could, and uh, so that's how it was. And about the last couple of weeks, we started mm-hmm. I started working on it and and going back and forth with him and and Geneva's uh, press secretary. And I think up until Monday morning. The only folks here at the paper that knew that it was coming was Josh Badesky, Mark Medici, the editor. Uh, well, Josh Badesky, our uh, editorial page editor, Mark Medici, our publisher, and myself. And Nancy knew a little bit about it. And because they were really just wanting to make sure the surgery had gone well, the, the worst thing that could have happened was, of course, Monday morning was if the doctors go in and see that it's spread and then there's no operation. But yeah, he didn't, he found out about it. In July of last July, he was in Spain, and he and three others were in a car going back to the hotel. And they, it's very South Texas, like he hits a wild, they hit a wild boar. And uh, Joaquin wasn't seriously injured, but they took him to the hospital just to uh, run tests, and they did an MRI. And that's when the doctor told him that he needed to get something checked on, checked on when he gets back to San Antonio, and that's when they found it. So. Did he have any symptoms at None. all? I mean, not, he's always kind of nothing. I mean, yeah. the thing about about this kind of neuroendocrine endo, neuro tumors is that they they usually are a system asymptomatic. Uh, they usually pop up in the lungs, the small intestine, or the pancreas. His was in the the small intestine, mm-hmm. and he could have had it for years. He was he was talking about six years ago feeling something and thinking maybe he could have had it back then, but you don't really know until. Until you get it, most folks who are diagnosed are in their sixties. So that he was, is forty-eight. That's a good sign. Yeah. And what's what's fascinating about it is, and I know he was getting these, I guess these monthly shots to kind of slow the growth of the tumors. But but he uh, he had a, a re-election campaign, which was you know it was it was a there was no you know doubt that he was going to get reelected. But I mean he had he went through all that for a period of months knowing. That, that surgery was coming and that he was dealing with this. And that's, that's not an easy that's, thing. That's, and that's the, uh, then when he called me in January, that's the thing. I, I, after I got off the phone with him, just started thinking about all that mm-hmm. he's been going through. Uh, I mean, he came in in January, in, in last September, for the uh, editorial board meeting can, for you know candidates. And, and he's been active and uh, hasn't missed any work. And he's not going to really miss, he's not going to miss any work this time, I think. How, how long do you think he'll be out? <sighs> He was looking at going back to work in, uh, around March 22nd, but that particular week is like a three-day week, and they're going to be out until April. So he plans on being back to work in April. So essentially, he's going to be missing three, 
three days, well, the times that that, that uh, he would hope to have gotten uh, the surgery before last week when there was a uh, congressional recess. But we had to go by the by the surgeon's schedule, and so he'll miss probably about two, three or four weeks total when you count it all in, and not much at all. And uh, I talked to him last night. Uh, He'll be in Houston for another. He'll be released from the hospital probably tomorrow and will be in Houston for the rest of the week and probably back home for the weekend. But he was... uh, Feeling fine. He's uh, tweeting a lot. I noticed tre- that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's. I mean, he's never. You know, he's yeah. a guy that's never been at a hospital since. Yeah. You know, he was brought home as a baby. Wow. Probably bored since. Yeah. 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 I think it's important. I mean, it raises the issue of raising awareness of just going to the doctor. You should. You know, everybody yeah. should go Absolutely. once a year to get that. You know, physical and lab work done, and because you never know. And so, to me, that that really brought that to the forefront. I think is just. A, it's a really big reminder. Or even if you don't have symptoms, go Absolutely. get a checkup, and then of course your our healthcare, you know the status you, of healthcare yeah, in our country and in our yeah. state. Which I love that he brought that up, and it says so much about him that we already know, yeah. you know, that he cares about people. But I thought that that was super important that he did bring that up, and not everybody can afford to go get that checkup, and that's that's a terrible testament to what's happening in our state. That injection that he gets, uh, you know, if he didn't have health insurance, that monthly injection would cost $16,000. Oh, yeah. my yeah. God. Right. And, yeah, that's the things he kept he keeps stressing on, the fact that he has great health insurance and just, you know, he has this, his, I mean, it's something he's talked about before when he was sure. in the state legislature, but I think it's an issue that's going to be a little bit more mm-hmm. higher up on his, in his, in his, uh, on his agenda when he comes back to work. Yeah. And, and you're right, Nancy. I mean, it was really a fluke that he found out. And right. he would have been carrying this for... He, for another few years, really. Yeah. Was it his? I mean, could he have had the surgery earlier, or did he? Was this, it his decision to do it? When that was he actually did one it? of the, the last questions I hadn't thought of before the story. Well, about a day or two before the story ran, and could he have had it any sooner? But this was all the surgeons doing. Oh, okay. it, yeah. So it wasn't him saying, well, hey, we've got, an, we've yeah. got a really important election cycle because, I mean, yeah. he was yeah. helping out on other campaigns and other races. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it could have, I mean, you know, if, like Gilbert said, I mean, it wasn't, there was hardly a question about whether he would be re- reelected, but he was helping other other Democrats. So. Yeah, I think, if, I mean, if he absolutely, absolutely had to have surgery, he would have had it. Yeah. But, okay. uh, but yeah. Interesting. Well, um, three days after he had surgery, his uh, his mother, uh, Rosie Castro, who's a legendary activist in San Antonio, um, the, the, her her history is it, it, we could we could spend several podcasts talking about all the things she's done in, in her history and uh, what a seminal figure she has been. Um, she was chosen unanimously by the city council to uh, receive the interim appointment in District Seven to to fill the the seat that Ana Sandoval uh, vacated uh, recently, and it, it, the process was really interesting because for one thing. In the past, when we've had um, these vacancies that, that have to be filled by council, um, you'll have like 20 people or something. I think even the uh, the Clayton Perry uh, interim uh, appointment that, to fill that vacancy, when, when he was really just going to take a very short sabbatical, I think there were like 17 people or something like that. It, 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 there's always a, it's always a big number. In this case, you only had four. So I think a lot of people were just <laughs> saying, this is Rosie's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. 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 We're just going to stay at it. Um, yeah. And uh, and also the council had said we you know we really want to pick somebody who's not going to run in May so that also probably kept some people out, um, but then they always 
whittle it down to three finalists. They talk to them. They bring them in the following day, and then they all sort of do another presentation. In this case, they said, we've picked one finalist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Like, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> that's always time. Politicians yeah. often carry right. out a charade. In this case, it's I mean, honestly, like, it wouldn't have, wouldn't it have felt a little silly to everybody? I it would mean, have been, yeah. You know, it's like, it, you kind of knew, like, as soon as her name came up, which yeah. was almost as soon yeah. as Anna mm-hmm. Sandoval said that's she was right. leaving office. It's like, yeah, it, this is almost certainly going to be, you know, her. And I think the reason, you know, there are probably a couple of reasons you only saw three other, you know, candidates or applicants. One is, uh, could be that they've looked at her history in the district and, and across the city and said, okay, well, this is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's the Castro name. That's the second one. I mean, the, the idea being that it's like, look, I mean, she's, she's, she's the mother of a former mayor and a sitting congressman. And she's going to get the appointment. And don't, you know, let's not go through all the, you know, rigmarole with the application process. Yeah, I mean, it was out of respect to the other ones, too. I mean, who wants to go and do that? It's almost makes you think about doing like a job interview. You know somebody mm-hmm. else is going to get the job. Yeah, <laughs> let's right. not waste yeah, exactly. their time. Like, yeah, exactly. and the thing is, like, I thought, well, if they put it down to three, that means, that, like, who's going to be the unlucky <laughs> yes. one? One out of four. You just do it. And then make the other two come back the next day and have to right, right. pay for parking or whatever. Yeah. They wouldn't get free parking. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll look into this. I, should, I shouldn't sh- like, shoot from the hip on this. But. As soon as it was decided, I mean, I, I didn't watch that meeting. I was out of town, but my, I mean, she's incredibly popular. People are so excited and you can't help but be happy for her. Um, the whole, my whole timeline on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, everything, email. I had so many people forwarding, did you know this is happening? And people were just celebrating it and, and rightfully so. She deserves it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Julian did a, a, a brief sort of a little speech on her behalf, and and he talked about you know the the history which you know has been written about a lot in the last uh, few weeks, which is that at the age of twenty three she ran for city council when we still had at large districts, um, wanting to make sure that the west side was getting its infrastructure and representation because you know that that just was not happening at that point, and uh, so she and three other. Uh, candidates on a slate for the uh, it was committee of for barrio betterment ran she finished second i think all of the, all four finished second and that that campaign was later used uh, by maldef when they uh, filed suit challenging san antonio's um, at large election system which eventually was o- overturned and so you know she played a role in that she's done so much as far as education she's worked for the city um she is uh uh, help so many candidates get elected. It's just the list is endless. Um, so there was just a sense. I mean, she. The more I've thought about this, I've realized how much of her work has really been sort of to advance other people, yeah. whether it's you know other political candidates or with other causes. Um, I think she's also unique in that there are some people who will you know say, well, my generation, we did all this, and you know the next generation, they don't, they don't have that. You know, she is, she's really generous with her praise and her time for young people. I think, it, I think it comes out of her work in education that she seems to really delight in seeing younger people. I can already sense a bond developing between her and Terry Castillo. Mm-hmm. She was certainly a, very, a big champion of Ana Sandoval's early yeah. on. So she's not one of those people that's like, my generation, we did everything and, yeah. and you all don't understand. She's, she's uh, unique in that way. And, and for someone who's had a chance, who's advanced so many other people uh, and, and, and help them sort of, uh, uh, you know, sort of get, have success and including her sons, 
this is seem like a rare moment for me where it's like, okay, now she gets to be the star. I mean, you, you know? did a great job in your column yesterday of just reminding a lot of us exactly all the things that she has done in her in her life in her career. I mean, she's not just the twins' mother, and she's and and uh, and and she is she's more than a, a symbolic figure. I mean, she's a I mean, legendary uh, activist, and it just. It just seems right. You know, Thursday morning I was in uh, Milan Park. I was working on, on a column on Jesse Trevino, so I spent the morning yeah, just absolutely. in front of the spirit of healing. And then around lunchtime, I started going to meet Tierra and, and, and get something to eat. And I get something to eat, and I walk in, and I hear this voice behind me, Kelly Clack. And, I, and it's Rosie, and I completely <laughs> forgot, <laughs> completely <laughs> forgotten yeah. what was going on that day. But I just thought... This is so West Side. Yes. Jesse yes. Trevino, Mitya, and Rosie Castro, <laughs> and, Antonio, and that party man. in the back, including Maria Berriozaro. It's so San Antonio. This is, I mean, there are, look, there are people who hate her because of her politics. And people, but for the most part, I think everyone's happy about this. It'd yes. be different if she was running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not. Mm-hmm. This is this is just so right. But I look, you know how you say she's not just the Castro's mom, but she is the Castro's yeah, mom. So and I think that is, yeah. I mean, it speaks volumes. I, I You can also look at the other side, like she is the Castro's mom. And she produced these, you know, icons and these legends in San Antonio and beyond. And I think that that speaks so much about who she is. Um, in her very first message out to her constituents, it was like a little newsletter that was emailed. And she in there, she's just like, you know, I'm humbled and um, honored and humbled to serve. And then her very last line was like, I welcome your energy and, let me see, your energy and involvement, exclamation mark. And I think that that's super important, too, is like she wants everyone to not just um, other political leaders or elected leaders, but everyone to play a part. And I think I mean, our city would be much better off if people got involved. I don't think she's going to I don't think she'll, she'll do this, but I've, I've long thought that the best memoir it would be hers oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. for mm-hmm. obvious reason because she's she's in the middle of her, of her mother's story coming over here as a child then her own rich history I think right, and I talked with, when, when Julian wrote his book I think we both agreed like the, the parts about Rosie were like to me the most fascinating they were, uh, yeah they were, I mean <laughs> pretty, yeah. I, I was yeah. pretty critical of the book I actually <laughs> wrote a pretty nasty review about it but anyway that was the best part <laughs> yeah I mean the his uh, Julian's account of their kind of early childhood and yeah there was just a lot of new information about uh, about Rosie and her mothering like details yeah. that mm-hmm. were just complex I mean, very, relationships con- she had very, with her own mom yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. exactly it was, exactly it was just like it was that was a really rich part of that book but uh, wasn't a great book otherwise yep, so. but and and the thing is you know when we when we, th- when we talk about policy in San Antonio and uh, and there there are ways in which we don't even necessarily think about her, but you know she went as as a college student to the Midwest, taught the children of migrant workers, and realized you know how important at that point how preschool was. She said this is really critical. If kids get behind early, it's going to be a problem. She taught preschool in the Edgewood district, and she had conversations with Julian about this. And you know he. Uh, his work on pre-K for say his 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 philosophy, which was just that you have to sort of you have to develop uh, nurture learning in children at a very young age, and that's the key to everything to to being the kind of city that we want to be. A lot of that came from from her example and also conversations that he had with her. And so um, there are ways in which she has affected this city that people don't even realize. And um, before we we wrap things up, I wanted to talk about. Um, 
The decision on Saturday by the uh, executive committee of the Texas Republican Party to censure uh, Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who represents San Antonio and also a lot of border territory between here and El Paso. Um, this is basically about um, his primarily, I think, about his vote uh, for this, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which made some modest steps on gun reform, I think. Some of us would probably think maybe more could have been done, but it had a lot of funding for mental health. It had expanded background checks for those under 21, um, some funding for states that had instituted red flag laws. Um, there were some Republicans who voted for it, but he's gotten flack for that. Um, you have to consider his Uvalde is in his in, in his congressional district, and he was very mindful of the fact that people in the district uh, in that city wanted something done. Um, he also voted for the Respect for Marriage Act. He was the only Texas congressman who voted for that, which was an attempt to codify a same-sex marriage and also interracial marriage in light of uh, Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion in the Dobbs uh, abortion case last year, where he said maybe we had to revisit uh, some some of these other cases, including uh, same sex marriage. So, um, I guess, uh, Greg, I'll start with you. You know, what when you look at this, uh, I mean, we, we've seen some other th situations like that. John Cornyn mm -hmm. got censured by the Collin County Republican Party last year. Joe Strauss <laughs> got some of this same treatment mm -hmm. uh, before he left. Yeah, I mean, it's different in uh, Tony Gonzalez's case, though. Um, you know, the for, you know, ever since George W. Bush tried to make inroads among Latino voters, um, the the party has said, we want, you know, we want, you know, we want to attract Hispanic voters and cultivate uh, lawmakers uh, from South Texas along the border. Uh, They've they've done that with Tony Gonzalez. Yes. And now they're turning on him. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> like, point. So, so I mean, yeah. it makes me question: like, are they, are they really interested in in attracting and and keeping Latino voters? Also, keep in mind this is someone who served twenty years in the Navy. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. as you said, yeah, a Latino yeah, yeah. Republican yeah. in Texas who's from South Texas. I mean, right. he is what the Republican Party is. You said this is what they've. Yeah, would, I mean, they, they used to be they, they really strong they on were. national security. Yeah, he, I mean, in, he he should be. Uh, they should they should have friendly, loving ties with this guy. You would think they would do what they can to make sure he's reelected, but they're not. Uh, you know, there are there are consequences to a censure vote for his reelection effort. He, you know, I, you know, we all disagree with them on 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 many issues and yeah on, on guns would love to see for them to to go further but you have to acknowledge the the political courage of those two votes and I mean he is what if the if the Republican Party is going to get past this period that they're in now where they're basically Donald Trump's party He's the future. He's the he's the kind of Republican. I mean, he's a Latino. He's a vet. He's conservative. He's not right wing, but he's a he's a conservative, and uh, it, it, it is a, a slap a slap in the face of of Latinos. It's basically it's just saying that you know we yeah we want y'all, but we want y'all to do as we say. Mm -hmm. We want you to right. be as we sh think you should should be. I think the key with him is, you know, yeah, we may disagree on certain on policy issues, but I think that he is there 
and I think we've all had some kind of conversations with him to get the sense that I think he's there to actually make policy. He's not, there's, yeah. there are a lot of people that who are there to grandstand to, or who are, you know, going to be talking about CRT and wokeism and, and just basically, you know, in bathrooms and, and, uh, and school library books and all this kind of stuff and drag shows. And I don't get the sense that, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's definitely a hawk on the border. And I've heard him say, you know, the Biden's, uh, this is uh, America last policies from the Biden administration. He will use some of that language that, that you see in the party now. But I think he's generally there with the idea of like, I want to get something done on, on immigration. I want to have find some bipartisan solution. Again, the, the solution that he may want may not be something that maybe uh, we may differ with him on some certain aspects of it. But I think he's there actually to try to, to make policy. And right now, the Republican Party is not really geared <laughs> right, for yeah. that kind of thing. You know? yeah. I mean, to me, like he's... Um, he makes me mis- nostalgic for <laughs> for conservatives. You could you could deal with. Yeah, you know, I mean, right. you can have an argument with, and you don't feel like vilifying him, and you don't feel vilified right. by him. Uh, there is, you know, he he yeah, like look, the America last stuff. He he does indulge in kind of the the hard right grassroots rhetoric sometimes, but I you just don't get the sense that that's who he is. Like he's not, you know, he, he you know he's not he's he's not gonna. Uh, take a really tribal point of view where it's like, look, if you're not with me, to hell with you. And that's, I mean, basically that was that was the crux of the vote with the executive committee on Saturday. Although yeah. his tweet yesterday was kind of, it was to hell with you. No mamas. I mean, he's unapologetic, which that's I right. think says right. a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. he really believes in what he's doing and uh-huh. censor or not, right. you know, he's going to, Hopefully, um, you know, stand for what's right. I know somebody tweeted after he tweeted out yesterday, and and you know, there's quite a bit. There you go. There I mean, it is. Yeah, it's like there it is. Let and, the I mean, tweet say it for itself. <laughs> and, um, exactly, and I think it's. I think that the hashtag growing up Mexican American. Yeah, I think that I was a great. That was like telling. going Perfect. straight to Perfect. the heart of Ooh, yes. what happened. Very telling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually yeah. missed that part of it, and that's that's a great point. That's what jumped out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and we should say too the the practical effect of this because he knows this too. Look, look, he want he got reelected in his district, uh, which had been a pretty close swing district, um, and I think he was you know pretty popular anyway. And then with redistricting, it's it's safer in the Republican column now, and so he got reelected easily. I think that's going to continue. This move by the Republican Party basically means like where they're going to discourage him from from running again. Like he cares, you know, and they may ha- they may help a primary opponent again. I don't. He's probably going to get primaried, but I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be a, a big problem for him. So this is what, just like John Cornyn, I don't think he's sweating a lot about Collin County uh, censuring him last year. But um, I wanted to mention, you know, that uh, again, this is something we could spend a couple of podcasts on. But there, the Conservative Political Action Conference (CPAC) happened over the weekend, and uh, it was a, a lively affair, as it always is. Um, but uh, Donald Trump had the, uh, you know, the, the big. Uh, speech on Saturday. And this quote really stood out to me because it kind of gets to the heart of what we're talking about. He said, we, he was talking about before he decided to run for president in 2015, he said, we had a Republican party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, globalists, open borders, zealots, and fools. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Carl Rove, and Jeb Bush. 
Now, I, I, I don't really get to uh, misty uh, about Carl Rove. Carl Rove is being a But I think the other guys that he mentioned, at least were, again, also in that category of probably conservatives who tried to make policy. Um, and um, so it, 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 it's a real clear line that he's drawn. And I think that um, if you look at the, the applause lines at, at CPAC, they're not really, I, I don't think that people, the things that traditionally Republicans cared about, you know, which were, um, you know, low taxes, uh, you know, you know, Cutting, cutting, cutting government yeah. spending, yeah. strong mm-hmm. defense. It's its really not that kind of stuff. It's all, I mean, the, the people were playing drinking games about, you know, every time the word woke is, is, is used, you know, because it's just <laughs> constant. And I didn't see what his crowd looked like, but I, I saw, I know those were just on Twitter at, at, you know, whether it was a son or Marjorie Taylor Greene that, um, I mean, the crowds weren't, weren't there. They weren't there. Um, and it's just, again, the, the amazing projection of Trump, you know, calling Folks, freaks, and fools. Open border zealots. Yeah, yeah, Republican yeah, Party. Yeah, yeah. What was that? I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, I think it was funny also that you know the, over the same weekend you had Ron DeSantis meeting with Club for Growth, which had been had been a supporter of Trump, has turned against. This is like a high yeah. dollar. You know, it yeah, was basically yeah. it was a mega donor uh, fundraiser. And uh, there was DeSantis. He's going to cash in on that money. Uh, and it used to be Trump's. Now it's not. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think clearly it's going to be a really raucous Republican tri- primary in, you know, 2024. It's going to be pretty, pretty brutal. It's going to be yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. But the, 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 the basic thing that he's, uh, Gonzalez got attacked for, which is just the, that on occasion he will vote uh, in bipartisan fashion. And that is just that's the way it used to be. I mean, it, it was no big deal. It was I, you know, if Republicans sometimes voted along with Democrats on certain things and vice versa. So um, now it's just you, you know, one or two bills, uh, a vote on one or two bills like that. Uh, you just yeah. This this is what happens. So anyway, we're going to wrap things up there. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. We'll be back with you next week. Take care. <laughs>